Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. If you haven't been following my Instagram, I'm just off the back of um, a trip to Dubai to go see one of my clients, um, Chris Rendell, one of my natural clients, Chris Rendell, compete um, WMBF UE, which was which was awesome. And I, I figured I wanted to do a podcast, more of a reflective one that sort of summarised the, the trip away. Obviously, I did the podcast about peaking abroad review that, give you an insight to how it went, what we saw, um, and then also talk about some of the the difficulties I had in peaking the clients on the Sunday. So, for those of you that don't know, WMBF, um, World Natural Bodybuilding Federation, is, there's one in the UK, but there's one all over, right? So we decided a long time ago with Chris, uh, he came fourth in the world in 2021, we decided, look, let's see if we can do some international shows uh, this year, which was 2023, and we decided this literally on the call after the Worlds in 2021. Um, we said, let's do an international show and let's do the one in Dubai. So th- it came around um, and we did it. Now, th- the great thing was, uh, although I was heading over on the, the Thursday and really landing at one in the morning on the Friday, I wasn't traveling on my own. I had one of my clients, Tom, um, and Tom, if you're listening to this, a massive thank you for coming. Um, it was It's always great. To, to travel with others, I find whether it's going abroad or whether it's driving down south, like I hate traveling on my own. I absolutely hate traveling. Um, so it was great to have Tom there and just literally have like have a bit of banter, right? Not only we just in the airport and whatnot, but also when we met Chris in Dubai, um, when we were sort of sitting around as he was peeking, it was it, it was great and it was just relaxed and it was it, it just reminded me how awesome and grateful I feel um, to do what I do and call it work. It was two or three days that were non-stop, but it was such a blast. And although um, we fell short a little bit and we got second, you know, we were going there to try and win his pro card. Um, I was incredibly proud with, with uh, how Chris looked and um, can't wait to see him uh, compete this uh, this uh, this season or the rest of the season, really. So how did it all work? You're probably wondering. So in the UK with Chris, like the high days that we were typically running, um, when we needed to, it was like 800 gram of carb on the first day, 700 gram of carb on the second day, 100 gram of fat, um, and typically about 7 litres here in the UK and 10 grams of salt. Now, if you don't know what Dubai is like at this time of year, it is ridiculously hot. Ridiculously hot. And I mean hot to the point where I walked outside for literally 200 metres and was glistening in sweat. <laughs> right, so here in the UK right now, the temperature yesterday was 15 degrees. In Dubai, it was 40, 44. You know what I mean? With a humidity, heat reading of like 50. So it was crazy. Now, as I said in the last podcast, I have taken consideration the level of sweat. So even though Chris uh, was extremely lean, he's obviously walking about uh, to Tan, walking from the hotel to the Uber and whatnot. Um, so he's sweating a little bit. So with that being said, we decided to go 12 grams of salt and we decided to go nine liters of fluid so rewind a few years ago what we did for Chris going to shows if the show was on the Sunday we loaded Thursday Friday the Saturday was a moderate day this time around we weren't going to do that I don't think we needed to do that because he got to Dubai Wednesday 1am so Wednesday was going to be like a baseline day and a day for us to decide like right is that fluid and salt is that does that work or do we need more we checked in a couple times on the Wednesday the answer was yeah, hundred percent. It did, and that's where we went. So the Thursday day one um, was, or sorry, the first day of the load 
yeah, Thursday, we went 8 to 50 gram of carb, so a bit more. I managed to see him um, on the Friday morning when we got there. He's still relatively flat. Then on the the Friday we went, we planned to do 750. Now, of course he's natural, so the only thing we have is natural diuretics, right? So we used Peak Max. So 8.50 on the Thursday, on the Friday, we went 7, planned 7.50. But only 7 litres of fluid in the same salt. So 2, two litres less fluid to allow him to sharpen up. And honestly, see as Friday went on, so I looked, looked him in the morning, uh, decided, okay, let's just go ahead with what, we, what we're doing. Um, went, me and Tom got some food, went to Benos, trained, went back to our our apartment. He then came over to the hotel again, and again, he was just, he was, by this point, right, he was just filling, filling so well. And what I would say is that, typically, I mentioned in the last podcast that people experience water retention from a flight, from long-haul flights. So Chris wakes up on the Thursday morning, sharp, really, really sharp. And mind, he gets there when, sorry, wakes up Wednesday morning, uh, really sharp. And mind, he gets there Wednesday 1am, so he's been travelling, flying for seven, eight hours. So wakes up on the Wednesday, really sharp. Wednesday baseline day, totally fine. Thursday, first day of the load, the, de- the night, like, the night of that first load before he goes to bed, he looks watery. More watery than I've ever seen him that first day of load. And when we sat down and kind of talked about the weekend and reviewed it, we thought the water retention that you typically see after a flight for him came the next day, right? When we put in more carbohydrates, it came on the Thursday whilst we were putting more carbs in. So then come, like come the Friday, as the day's going on, he's losing that fluid that came on the day before and he's getting tighter and tighter and he's getting more cut, more separations, deeper cuts and he's getting burst and full. And then I went to see him, uh, me and Tom and my buddy that lives in Dubai went and got some some steak and whatnot. And then once once Chris had been an athlete's meeting, went to see him sort of the final checking before bed. And I couldn't believe how full he looked, but how sharp he looked from that day. Now, yes, of course, we put in less fluid Yes, of course, we were using Peak Max, which naturally promotes, um, you know, ex- water expulsion from the body, you could say. But I didn't expect him to be as sharp as he was at night, right? And he was nice and full, and his midsection was tight, and I was like, right, I think we could end up, I think we could push a little bit more. But I knew in his head he didn't want to push loads. So I was like, right, have an extra 50 grams of carbs. And it was like three little cookies, and he had that... Um, and that was fine. And I thought in my head, I was, you know, me and Tom were in the Uber on the way back to the apartment. I went, I bet he wakes up tomorrow and he's a little bit flat. Um, and I says, and that's that's a better scenario than to wake up bursting full. So that's why I didn't push. So the night goes and comes, uh, comes and goes. Sorry, uh, he comes. Chris comes to our apartment the next day, and he he's just on the money. He wasn't flat. He was bursting full. His midsection was tight, and I was like, fuck. We just we just need to maintain this. That's all we needed to do. And I had an idea in my head of where I was going to go with food. So when we looked at his meals that we're loading on, we were typically like anywhere between 125 gram of carb all the way up to 200 gram of carb on the days we're loading. So I was like, right, what the game plan is, I says, we'll start with 125 gram of carb, obviously fats in there, protein in there, 
But then the fluid considerations needed to be reflective of what we were doing the two, two days previous. So if we went nine litres, then seven litres, we needed to keep fluid going in for him to maintain this look. So with each meal, he had a litre of water, right? So he comes in, meal one, litre of water. The next meal, I was like, right, bursting full, we'll go a little bit less food. So we went from 125 gram of carb to 100 gram of carb. But again, I'm thinking, if he had seven litres yesterday, and I know he's going to have roughly four meals before he goes on stage, I went, I'm going to give him four litres before he goes on stage today. And what it meant, as the day goes on, we still use Peak Max as the day goes on. Why? Because it was working. Um, but the fullness that he held for more fluid being in was incredible. Now, it's no surprise to me because I've done it this year. And this is this year I've given clients way more fluid than I've ever given them. Um, like Chris Bain has a, a litre of fluid with every meal. Um, and you know he's one of the most successful clients this year. Um, and with the rest, all athletes, Dan Hewitt, Dylan, Liam, again, they got a lot of fluid. But... Chris was one of the uh, one of the natural clients, I suppose, one of my few natural clients um, that I've done this with, and it was working a treat. And, I, and I'm a big believer in when you're prepping, if so, like when you're peaking, if something's working, you continue to do it. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. If the look is holding and the aim is to hold the look, keep doing what you're doing. And I kept saying to, to Chris, I says, I can't believe how full you are. We're sitting. We're sitting backstage, or I'm with them, and we're looking about. You know, you know what fucking, you know what, you know what we do. You're looking about, thinking, how does he look? How does he look? How does he look? There's a couple of guys that we knew looked good, but they weren't in his height class. I thought we're fucking, we're on the money here. Now, when I looked at the winners before he went on, all the winners had this just like tiny genetic looking midsection, and Chris didn't have that. Now. I wasn't concerned at the time about that because I was like, it's fine, he's got the size to carry him, the condition to carry him. And they come out and he's he's in the first callouts and he's centre of the first callouts and he's centre for a long, long time until they move him away on the very last set of turns. And I thought, shit. But up until that point, he was like the biggest out of the... All the men's physique guys, he was the biggest. He wasn't beat on conditioning. Um but it was quite consistent what they wanted from the winners. And each winner was, honestly, like each winner that had a tiny little waist and one guy in his class had a tiny little waist and that's who they favoured. Um, it was great, like in regards to the look, and he said, you know, obviously me being there, it was how he's a lot more chilled, but I couldn't help at the time feel absolutely devastated and gutted for him. And... Of course, upon reflection, that changes. But in the moment, I, like I know how that feels, and I think that I don't compete anymore, right? So I live vicariously through my clients. So I knew how he was going to feel, right? With me being there, Tommy there, and his family being there, supporting him, and we knew what our standard was and what our what our target was, and we weren't uh, shy about saying that. But what was awesome, what was amazing, what I was reminded about again, how grateful I'm to work with such amazing athletes was how gracious he was in defeat and it just got me so proud not only of Chris but of just all my clients this year of when things haven't went our way um, not one of them has acted out not one of them has said you know oh, the judges got it wrong bro or whatever blah 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 because 
99% of the time I've been there to explain the result that I this happened and when I went backstage you know gave him a high five gave him a hug and I went I just went mate that's hard it's hard to take I went but the judging was consistent you know it's um, it, it is what it is and um, I always say seeing those moments I say to my athletes I explain the result and whatnot, and I always say for anyone listening my athletes will attest to this I say the same thing to them all I say nothing I say right now will make this feel better nothing I say will will change how gut-wrenching this feels I went so have some time on your own like allow yourself to feel those feelings of of sheer anguish of sheer um, you know gut, that gut-wrenching pain um, and remind yourself that you never want to feel like that again and use it to come back better use it as motivation and fuel to the fire um, and that's what he did that's what he did and that's what he was saying to me as, as the, the the day went on that um, it just motivated him to, to get better and it, it's hard in bodybuilding like bodybuilding said is a sport where we can be at our absolute best and he was he was at his absolute best most confident stage the fullest he's ever been but it just we just fell short and um, that's just the way it goes Right, it's the way it goes in, in bodybuilding. However, that doesn't mean that uh, you're done. You know, you, you pick yourself back up, you dust yourself off, you look to see if you can get better, and then you go into the next show, into the next show, the next show. As I said before, like the athletes that uh, that use that for motivation often come back better. The athletes or any anyone out there who you, who takes a loss hard and um, kind of uses those excuses of oh that should have been this and should have been that the judge got it wrong, like the they often aren't better for the second show and uh, the same thing happens again. But again, it's just understand the criteria, right? So I kind of know in my head, I go, right, if any, any of my clients want to do the WMF UE next time and I want to do men's physique, like I just know they need to have that genetically small waist to, to win because that's, that's just what it is. But then I kind of said to Chris, I went, look, so we've got WMBF UK. Um, historically, in Caucasian males, we don't have a genetically tiny little looking waist. Chris got quite a block waist. Chris's Chris physique kind of reminds me of like Josh Bridgman's physique a few years ago. Just really thick everywhere, blocky abs, big huge delts and arms and chest. Um, and I know he's going to have more success as the season go on, goes on, right? But hey, heading across to Dubai um, to compete in pretty much the worlds of the Middle East um, and coming second is, is it's a phenomenal achievement. You know, I think that the standard was incredibly high and he got fourth in the world uh, a couple of years ago, but I think the standard um, at this show was a little bit higher than than the world. So you know he'll take it on the chin, he'll come out better. But so that was um, that was that show. Now, as I was on the plane there, I was like, right. I said to all my athletes uh, that we can be on the Sunday. I went, it'll be cool on the Sunday because I could peek you from my phone, um, and jobs are good, and then we'll be fine. So on the way there, the Wi-Fi is down the whole way, right? So this got me freaking out. So on the Friday, um, I sent a show day plan to all my athletes on um, like Chris, Stacia and Debs of exactly what to eat and what to do and what to take, like salt and fluid at this time, that time, that time, just to follow based on previous peaks that we've done in case the Wi-Fi didn't work. So getting an early flight, Dubai was three hours ahead. Um, so by the time I'm on the plane, Chris Bain actually checks in at half four in the morning UK time because it's half seven Dubai time. Um, we look at him and think, right, yeah, this plan today will work. And I said to them all, I'll, I'll see if I get Wi-Fi. And it turns out I did, right? See what I'd recommend, right? Never, I'm never ever going <laughs> to try and peek someone again with plain Wi-Fi. 
because it's so slow. And and of course it's slow. You're traveling at 550 miles an hour or whatever it is. But it was just stressing me out because I would get I'd get Wi-Fi for 10 minutes. I'd get some photos sent through and I'd go to reply about what to do and if I was changing anything. And then all of a sudden the Wi-Fi would drop before it, before it sent or it was sent like it was on WhatsApp and it was like you know how it's not um, a tick it just it's sending it's like a square box it was like that for ages and sometimes it was like that for an hour until then it would send randomly because the Wi-Fi would kick in because as you're flying there's dead zones of like some countries don't allow like the satellites and all that um, or some some countries don't allow multimedia messaging so like the, the photos wouldn't load luckily though um, for Chris we just kept a plan. With Debs, we kept a plan with Stacia. We actually pulled back a little bit. And it just so happened that every time she checked in, I had Wi-Fi and it loaded. And I was able to get back. But it was just incredibly stressful. Um, an incredibly stressful time on the way back. And I didn't sleep a wink. And I'm still probably jet-lagged now. Um, I wouldn't say I'm jet-lagged. I'm just lagged, right? Because <laughs> when we got back, the night I got back, Nina was up a few times in the night. But um, the athletes did incredibly well. On the Sunday, they had... Um, Chris came first and second, Stacia came first, first and third, and Debs came second. So across the weekend, like the the team had seven, uh, seven top threes, six of which were all top twos. Um, Chris narrowly, Chris Bain narrowly missed out on the overall in UKUP. Um, but for as manic as that weekend was, and for as manic as uh, and for tired tired as it was, um, it was awesome. It, it was fucking awesome to like to go to the other side of the world from my job and you know this weekend I'm, I'm driving down the arse end of the country I'm driving to a different country I'm driving to Wales um, to do the same thing and I think see when I left uni any coach out there that went to uni will probably kind of know this as well when I left uni I got a, I got 2-2 at uni right in my um, honours degree and I thought the world was over that I got 2-2 I didn't know what I wanted to do. I realised that, that sports biomedicine, that there wasn't any jobs that required that degree. And I felt lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And when I got my uni results, I felt like a complete failure. And um, I never would have thought at that moment that I would be doing this. If someone said, by the way, in 10 years' time, you'll be in Dubai helping helping someone step on a bodybuilding stage and peeking them, I'd have been like, that. nah, no way, right? Because I didn't. I'd never bodybuilded properly before. I didn't know the rigmarole, the process behind it. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a, a goal of mine at the time. But I just like I was reflecting a little bit, obviously, um, the night of the show and chatting to to Chris Rendell and his family and Tom and that night. And it just felt awesome to be a part of that. And of course, it feels awesome to be a part of every single one of my clients' journeys. But it was just a reminder. Like I pinched myself a couple of times, being like, "Wow, like." This is my work. Because it's not work. It's really, really not. Whether it was, you know, um, with an apartment and Tom or having a laugh or earlier on the Scottish season uh, with Caroline, Emily, Chris, Jemima all in the same Airbnb. We just have a laugh. You know what I mean? And um, as I said, I just feel very grateful to do do what I do and, uh, and call it work. It's tremendous. And... The thought process I thought processes I had about going into Dubai and peaking someone in a like a warmer climate, they um they work to treat. Again, I kind of know like for me everything's always like a learning curve, right? So last year when I went to Warsaw and Lille with Jade, it was a huge learning curve to learn IFBB Bikini International criteria and what they want. 
um, and this time around in Dubai, it was a, it was a great learning curve to understand well just how fucking warm it is over there. What you know, fluid and salt considerations I need to to make with other clients that may potentially peak in those in those uh, climates, um, but also just the look that they want over there, right? Because it could be it's different than over here. Because guys like guys from the Middle East, um, and they had guys coming over from like Taiwan and things like that, like their waists just genetically look different than they do here in the UK. So you just have to just know. And again, you take everything on the chin. Like I think for for any result that doesn't go your way, it, it, it really sucks at the time. And I, I take it really hard. I take it harder than the athletes because at times as a coach, you know, it's your responsibility. And of course you, you don't like you reflect and everything's okay as time goes on but for a long time I have to ha- I have to feel like that total disappointment in myself or you know that total feeling of almost feeling like a little bit of a failure when you're not but I have to feel that way to get over it and to come back better and I always just review in my head and go back through every decision that we made I do this every time and I shouldn't but I do this every decision that I made was that the right thing to do should I have done that should we have done differently would that change the look and it, I, I always come to the same conclusion and I was going, nah, there's nothing that we did that we would have done differently that would have changed this outcome. Because, for example, Chris at the weekend there, he was absolutely bursting full and his midsection was tight. We couldn't, we couldn't have peaked better. The peak couldn't have went better if we tried. It just didn't go our way. Right, for maybe let's head back to the Scottish season when Chris Bain came second with Naba. Fuck, man, that was our seventh, sixth show. It was, you know, he looked really good. He was bursting full, he was lean. Just didn't go our way. But again, the same thing went through my head, and I'm sure that'll continue to happen. Um, but it's uh, yeah, I uh, I love this sport, and I remember Tom saying that we were chatting about something. We were chatting about different criteria and results from earlier on the year. I won't say which ones. And uh, he stopped me. and He went, "You fucking love this shit, don't you?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I do." I was like, "If I didn't love it, I wouldn't be flying eight hours um, to to be part of my athletes." Uh, journey, and at the same time, this uh, this Friday, driving eight hours to Wales to be part of um, you know Station Chris's journey. It's um, it's truly a, a very rewarding job, and one that I honestly can't see myself doing for. I can't see myself doing anything else. Uh, if you said to me, "Vaughn, would you see yourself doing ten years?" It's like this. You know what I mean? And um, it's some element, maybe not quite as intense, but yeah, definitely this. So yeah, this. This podcast for me was more like a, a chance to reflect on an, an incredible weekend, a weekend that I was incredibly grateful for. Give you an insight to what the you know how that peak went that we planned. Uh, did we change anything? The answer would be would be no. Um, my thought processes before it we we did and they they worked, which was cool. But it was awesome to see how chilled out Chris was with me being there. I didn't actually know it a couple of years ago. I couldn't go to shows because my first son was being born. Um, that he was he was a nervous person pre pre stage, but he said me being there had helped so much. So I'm at his shows uh, the rest of the season, and I'm at, I try and get to literally like every single one of my clients' shows. But of course, on the Sunday I couldn't be in two places at once. Right, I was on a plane come back from Dubai. I couldn't be in York for those athletes that were competing at UKP in York. But hey, I think I'd like to think that the day went incredibly well. This weekend, as I said, is Friday driving to Wales um, to to help station Chris compete. Um, in NFM UK Wales on the Saturday and then after that we're driving four hours up to Manchester because they're both going to compete at PCA Manchester on the Sunday and then it'll be four hours 
back at the road. Um, and then thankfully after that, it's a it's a week weekend off the week after, which I'll be looking after the boys. And then we're back uh, back on the road again, heading down to rugby this time for UK FBA um, regional for Chris and Gregor. Gregor's first season on stage. So some of these names, if you're new to this uh, this podcast, you won't know who I'm talking about. Just go on Instagram, Prep Coach UK, and you'll see them all. Please head over to prepcoachuk.com to see the results and the testimonials that we have from the athletes that are currently competing, but also the athletes that have competed previously this season. Um, but I will, uh, I will love you and leave you guys um, wherever you in the world are in the world. I hope you are well, and remember that to give it the big beans, the whole beans, nothing but fucking beans. <laughs>